Hi, and welcome to our tax podcast. I'm Hannah, and joining me today, I have Kaylee and Andrea. Hey. Today, we're going to discuss H.R. 5376, also known as the Build Back Better Act, which was recently passed through the House on November 19th, 2021, and it's currently pending approval by the Senate. The spending bill includes $2.4 trillion of increased spending and tax cuts through 2031. A few major highlights include child tax credit increases, earned income tax credit expansion, raises to the salt cap, a 15% alternative minimum tax rate for corporations, a 3 to 5% surtax on incomes over $10 million, and large investments in climate change. While we could probably talk for hours on each of these areas of expansion that has on the table, today we're focusing on the climate change investments and the potential implications we think might arise from this bill if passed in the Senate. $555 billion of the $2.4 trillion is allocated to various areas of climate change initiatives in the form of tax credits and incentives and or penalties. Now, $300 billion of the bill is budgeted to expand tax credits for renewable power, energy efficiency, and biofuels. Currently under Section 40 of the Internal Revenue Code, there's a biofuel producer credit of $1 per gallon of second-generation biofuel, with exceptions if the biofuel also qualifies for alcohol fuel tax credits. This ends December 31st of this year, but the new bill extends the credit for four years. In addition to the continuation of the biofuel credit, the BBB Act also has a new tax credit in the works for sustainable aviation fuel. Now, this credit begins at $1.25 per gallon. There's an extra incentive of $0.01 per percentage point if the greenhouse gas emissions deduction percentage exceeds 50%. Additionally, we'll see increases in tax credits for facilities and utilities that utilize carbon capture technologies and for those related to production and investment in renewable energy. Section 45 and 48 of the Internal Revenue Code discuss the production tax credit and investment tax credit, respectively. For projects started in 2021, the ITC is currently at 22%. The BBB Act extends the ITC for construction beginning by January 1st, 2026, of up to 25% for advanced manufacturing facilities. And lastly in this area, a tax credit originating in the Obama administration will come back for manufacturers of clean energy. Think wind turbines, solar panels, and fuel cells. Do we expect to see more plants and manufacturing facilities moving towards cleaner energy now with the expansion of these tax credits related to renewable power? The BBB Act is likely to cause smaller, struggling plants and facilities to move towards cleaner energy in order to get the tax incentives and breaks. However, the impact on larger, more dominant facilities could be twofold. The BBB Act would provide an increase in tax credits for those facilities that use carbon capture technologies and provide tax credits for increasing energy storage and hydrogen production and reducing emissions. For smaller plants, these credits could be a lifeline and could provide the plants the funding they need to continue operating. Additionally, the BBB Act would reintroduce tax credit for manufacturers of wind turbines, solar panels, and other clean energy equipment which would provide assistance to those facilities that historically have not received a lot of attention. While the tax credits would provide incentives for all sized plants to move towards cleaner energy practices, the fees introduced under the bill are also a deterrent to continue polluting and operating as the plants have been. For example, the BBB Act will pose a first-time fee on the emission of methane gas as well as force companies to pay for excess methane leaking. These fees could be up to $1,500 per ton, which could be detrimental to smaller plants and facilities. 
However, while these tax credits sound promising, it's also important to point out some aspects of the BBB Act that may lead facilities and plants to move away from these clean energy practices. Firstly, after five years, the energy tax credits provided under the Act will get reduced to just a few available for electricity and transportation, which will then get allocated out to businesses. Therefore, plants and facilities will no longer have an incentive to continue these clean energy practices since they're no longer receiving tax credits. Additionally, the Act imposes a $4 per acre per year conservation of resources fee for all new producing on and offshore oil and gas leases and $6 per acre per year speculative leasing fee for all new non-producing on and offshore oil leases. Lastly, the Act would pose an annual fee of up to $10,000 per mile on pipelines offshore. These fees could add up for those facilities with large amounts of acreage or pipeline mileage. What are your thoughts, Andrea? Yeah, so as you and Hannah mentioned, the BBB Act tackles the climate change issue from two angles. We have the incentives to prevent pollution and reduce carbon emissions, and we have the taxes and fees imposed on those who pollute. Tax credits and incentives are preferable because they help prevent creation of pollution. While fees may not be significant enough for certain large corporations that can afford to pay them. So for some companies, it may still be economical to pay the fees and continue to pollute. However, I do believe that nowadays, many large corporations have a stronger social responsibility and they look beyond just the economical and financial aspects. While it is important to take advantage of any applicable tax credit in order to minimize tax liabilities, it is also important to align with the company's environmental, social, and governance values. Many investors and shareholders are really paying attention to how companies impact communities and the environment when they decide where to invest their money. Because the approach to climate change is so important these days, Even companies that don't have the capital to make the initial investment in projects such as installing solar panels or replacing their vehicle fleet with alternative vehicles, they partner with so-called tax investors that bring in the necessary resources for the project. The investors will typically benefit from the tax credits, but the company benefits from reporting its efforts in the annual reports to shareholders. It boosts their social and community position and is well-received by shareholders. So, for example, FedEx reported in their latest 10K report in 2021 that they were able to reduce the aircraft emissions intensity by 27% since 2005 by replacing older airplanes with newer, more fuel-efficient models. They are also planning to replace all of their FedEx Express pickup and delivery vehicles with electric models by 2030. In 2021, they agreed to purchase 500 electric vehicles from General Motors, and they currently have over 4,000 alternative fuel vehicles in their fleet, including hybrid, electric, and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. There is no mention of the amount of tax credits they may be benefiting from, but we can safely assume there are some tax breaks. But mainly, it shows they are socially and environmentally responsible, and it can significantly make a difference for some investors and shareholders. FedEx disclosure is very different than their competitor, UPS, who in their latest 10K report only briefly mentioned that they operate the largest fleet of alternative vehicles, but with no details or specific goals regarding carbon emissions reduction or number of alternative vehicles they have. Those are some interesting points. 
On a more personal level, how do we think households will respond? Are these tax credits enticing enough to get households to move to renewable power? I think households will respond positively. The BBB Act will create thousands of new jobs in various industries, such as farming, solar energy, and wind energy. The BBB Act will create a civilian climate corps that will put thousands of Americans to work preventing wildfires, cleaning up abandoned oil wells, and restoring wetlands and forests. While this would provide jobs to many unemployed Americans, it would also assist the average household to become more energy efficient by making energy more affordable. The credits and rebates included in the act will save the average household hundreds of dollars per year in energy costs and cut costs of installing rooftop solar panels by roughly 30%. Additionally, the BBB Act will also focus on cleaning up public transportation, such as transit and buses, that would cause more Americans to use the public transportation system and eliminate traffic and additional air pollution caused by cars. While this all sounds very enticing to the average American, it's also important to point out the BBB Act estimates to reduce GDP by 0.4% and American income by 0.4% in the long run through a decrease in wages by 0.3%. The BBB Act would also impose a 15% minimum tax on corporation book income, which could cause some larger corporations to lay off employees in order to pay these higher taxes, thus leading to an increase in the unemployment rate in America. You mentioned a key point, public transportation. So being from Europe and living in Atlanta, reliable and clean public transportation is something that I truly miss, and I think it's much needed here. Um, it remains to be seen if any of the proposed credits and investments will make their way into the Atlanta metro area. And if they do, will it be easy enough to convince residents to use more public transportation? Relating to the benefits of these tax credits on individual households, I think the ones that will benefit the most are the ones that can afford the initial investment for installing solar panels or replacing windows with energy efficient ones, as an example. You have to be able to pay up front for the investment and then wait for the credit when you file your taxes. And I think many households can afford that upfront expense, but many unfortunately still cannot. Interesting. So similarly, we're seeing more tax credits related to electric vehicles. The BBB Act has a continuation of the current electric vehicle tax credit. Under Section 30D of the Internal Revenue Code, there's a non-refundable tax credit for new qualified electric vehicles. The credit's capped at $7,500 based on a base amount of $2,500 and additional amounts based on the vehicle's battery capacity up to $5,000. One difference with this new bill is that the tax credit will be refundable. In addition to the continuation of the $7,500 tax credit for new EVs, there are additional credits of up to $4,500 for cars assembled domestically and $500 for vehicles that use U.S.-made batteries. And another bonus that we haven't seen yet is a tax credit for the purchase of used electric vehicles of up to $4,000. With all of that, how do you expect the average taxpayer to respond? Are these tax breaks a big enough incentive for people to switch over to EVs? Again, I think the response will be positive, as you can see through the many tax credits provided for households that purchase and use EVs, there's a major focus on the use of American labor, which will lead to an increase in jobs as the demand for labor in these areas increases. This increase in American jobs will be positive for the economy as a whole, increasing GDP, exports, cost of products, and many others. The various credits provided, as well as the decrease in energy costs, would make life more affordable for the average American. 
Yes, I also agree there will be some positive response. Um, however, I think it will be mainly in urban areas where travel distances are shorter and where charging stations could be found easier. I still think it's a great challenge to appeal to residents in rural and remote areas of the US despite the tax incentives. Um, the low gas prices in the past few years did not help the sales of electric vehicles. We'll have to see what happens if the high gas prices um, that we've seen in the past weeks sustain into 2022. And maybe a combination of high gas prices and EV tax credits will shift consumers um, towards electric vehicles. Interesting takes. Now, we're almost out of time today, but I wanted to touch on one more topic to wrap up today's episode. The spending bill will block oil drilling in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, as well as new offshore drilling in most U.S. waters. How do we anticipate members of the oil and gas industry to respond to the Alaska drilling ban? So there are very heated debates between the oil and gas industry members and environmentalists. Uh, while the main goal is to limit fossil fuel consumption um, economically, the U.S. is far from ready to significantly drop fossil fuel energy. The Alaska and the new offshore drilling ban proposed in the BBB Act backfired recently when President Biden made calls to OPEC leaders um, and asked for an increase of oil production to help lower the gas prices that spiked in the past few weeks. The prices spiked in response to post-pandemic demand and decreased supply. The U.S. continues to rely on imports to fulfill the domestic demand for gas. Uh, President Biden's move appeared to many as contradicting his proposed drilling ban, which will significantly limit the U.S. oil supplied in the future and consequently increase gas prices. So on one hand, the administration is proposing to reduce the domestic supplies, but on the other hand, they are asking other countries to increase their supplies. Um, climate change needs to be addressed globally. So just because we reduce pollution in one country doesn't mean we can't pollute in others. Um, while the world in general should be making efforts to move away from fossil fuel energy, it is clear that the U.S. is not ready for a cut in the oil supplies, which will inevitably increase oil prices. And us, the end consumers, are ultimately paying a price. You've both made some great points. Thank you both for your input today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. It was great getting to hear your take on the act. Thank you. It was a pleasure chatting with you.